Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello there. I'm Dave Berry and I'm fascinated by my next door neighbour. His name is Neil Srinivasan and he's a leading cardiologist. Now whether it be taking the kids to the swings or maybe even sharing a glass of wine, I've always been left with more questions about his profession than I've had answers. And in The Doctor Next Door, I'll be asking Neil the burning questions that keep me up at night, dissecting medical myths under his watchful eye of course, and doing my utmost to learn more about an industry that is quite literally a matter of life and death. But this podcast isn't just about my curiosities. Oh no, I want you to be involved as well. Let Neil be your doctor next door too. So if you have any questions or stories, send them to doctor at nextdoorpod.com right now. Oh, hang on. That'll be the doctor. Hello, Neil. Hi, David. Come in, grab a chair, sit down. Can I grab one of those small chairs that I got last week for Evie yeah, and Rufus? Uh, yeah, I'm, mm, I'm still not 100% sold on them, <laughs> but, but thank you very much indeed for finding them on the road no. and bringing them into my uh, well, home I'm, I'm, for my child to exactly. sit on. I'm glad they're in your house, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Neil, uh, I wanted to start today um, by talking about animals, the okay. animal kingdom. I know you're not a vet, yeah. but I just wanted to touch on it. Uh, mainly, well, there's two reasons. Firstly, Crufts was last weekend. Uh, big Claire Balding fan, as you yeah, know. Love a bit of Crufts. And also, I've not seen any of the foxes uh, yeah. around the neighbourhood in quite a long while. Yeah. And I've got this suspicion that they're kind of gaining numbers, coming up with cunning plans like only a fox can, and they're going to be back soon. Yeah, they're getting ready for the charge, I think. It's, <laughs> it's mating season soon. Um, so I wanted to start by asking you about my childhood pet cat. Now, my little sister, who's only 18 months younger than me, we grew up with a lovely dog called Bruno, who we named in honour of the boxer, Frank Bruno. He was a big icon of ours at the time. Yeah. And our cat, less lovable, was named Rocky, after Rocky Balboa, oh. one of the greatest movie characters of all time. Now, my sister and I were, and we're animal lovers, this all comes from love, we were convinced that our cat was genuinely evil. And people would say to me, and they'd say to Katie, they'd say, like, well, don't be silly, your pet cat can't be actually evil, you know, you, you, you were children and obviously, you know, you were looking at things in a skewed way. Recently, I was at my parents' house and we were going through some old photos and I found a picture of Rocky the cat and I am using this as exhibit A. Okay. That our minds were not playing tricks on us. Okay. That is Rocky. Oh my goodness, David. <laughs> 
Producer Jack, that's Rocky. Yeah, I mean, we the thing was, we yeah. loved Rocky, but yeah. he just wouldn't love us yeah, back, yeah. man. I mean, at least you didn't call it Apollo Creed, because, <laughs> yeah, that's true. goodness me, um, Yeah, bad. I mean, it probably explains a lot of why I am the way I am now, because all yeah. I wanted to do was be loved by that cat, but it refused. So, Neil, I said I'd like to keep the start of the podcast this week in the animal kingdom. And my first question to you comes from a listener to my breakfast show who I was speaking to and said that he and his partner spent most of lockdown re-watching every single episode of American sitcom Friends. And he said that he can now conclude that his favourite episode was the one where Joey, Chandler and Monica head to the beach and Monica gets stung on the leg by a jellyfish, leading one of the characters to urinate on the sting to alleviate the pain. That can't be true, can it? Is urinating on a jellyfish sting a medical myth? Dave, actually it is, unfortunately. It is a medical myth. I can't believe Friends lied to me. Friends lied to us. In fact, that's my favourite episode of Friends. Is it? Yeah, it's so memorable. And it reminds me of my honeymoon, where um, uh, my wife took me on my first beach holiday, and I I was traumatised by that Friends episode, clearly, because I was on high alert for jellyfish and ready and waiting to pee on my wife's leg at any moment to consecrate the marriage. Oh, poor Julie. Poor Julie, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, unfortunately, it's a medical myth. Urinating can actually, on the jellyfish stingers, can actually uh, make the um, stinging worse, can release oh. ve- venom um, and, and actually can make it worse. So what happens with jellyfish is that they, they often have these sort of long tentacles. Sometimes you can't see them and they have quite a lot of spikes and they get stuck and embedded in your skin. And so what you want to do in terms of treating it is actually rinse the area in in, uh, seawater, not freshwater. So get back into the sea, away from any other jellyfish, and try and wash the area. And then if you have any spines that you can see and they're stuck in your skin, because they're stuck in and releasing venom, you want to then try and remove them, not with your hands or, or, or you know, fingers teeth. or whatever, teeth, <laughs> yeah, okay, uh, as you've done in the past. <laughs> you want to be using tweezers, so clean tweezers or the edge of a bank card or something like that. And then afterwards, once you've done that, you want to try and go and soak the area in warm water. Try and get it as hot as possible in that area. Use hot flannels, hot towels, whatever you need to do. And then rest, because most of the time, this kind of allergic reaction to the venom will settle within 24 hours or so. And simple pain relief, things like paracetamol, etc., can be taken while you're waiting for things to settle. You should avoid using things like vinegar. Do not pee on the sting and certainly don't use cold water or fresh water or ice water and try not to touch the area. The actual cells around there, they have this thing called nematocytes. And so these are what contain the venom. And the reason why we thought, okay, urine might be useful is that actually we thought that urine has a lot of salts and therefore urine might stabilize them and stop them releasing the venom but everybody's urine is slightly different so particularly if your urine is quite dilute that's just going to act like fresh water which also activates these Uh nematocytes and then they basically release the venom into your skin and make the, the, the sting worse so that's where the urban myth comes from but the medical advice is to avoid peeing on it Uh, And, of course, if you've been either the Monica, Joey or Chandler in a real-life situation, let us know the details, doctor at nextdoorpod.com. So, Neil, it is time once again for my medical training. And um, I'm not stupid. I know something's going on between you and the producers. So I've got three medical questions. Well, David... 
Today, the producers and I have come up with something special to mark our 10th episode. Okay. <laughs> Firstly, I want to congratulate you on how well you've done through medical school. So this is our 10th episode, and we thought it was about time to review your training, actually. It's an end-of-term review. Oh. And to see how much of your knowledge you're actually remembering from the sort of mini-exams we've been doing with each, you know, episode and each series of lectures. So, so far you've completed nine quizzes, yeah. and they contain... three questions in each quiz so that's a possible of 27 points and I'm happy to say that you've scored 16 out of 27 which I think is really really commendable okay that's 59% and our pass mark for medical school in this first term is only 50% so you're acing medical school so far okay yeah so this week we're going to have a, not just one quiz but three Oh. And each Sorry, that's not the attitude, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to end oh, of term. Exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah. And each quiz will look back on some of the previous topics that we've covered over the past 10 weeks or so. I'm going to be giving you a grade for each quiz and will award you your overall grade for your first term in medical school. And just so that you're prepared, Dave, not all the questions will be multiple choice. How are you feeling about this, Dave? Uh, th- not particularly happy, <laughs> if I'm honest. So not only am I going to be quizzed within an inch of my life by my next door neighbour, yeah. but also it's going to be based on things that I am now expected to know because I'm expected to have paid attention to everything you've said over the last 10 episodes. Exactly. Oh, wow. <laughs> what, a, what a difficult position to be in. <laughs> so your first quiz is about all the past topics that we've covered. Uh, at the start of an episode, like frostbite and snoring and goosebumps. And so your first question is... In episode seven, we spoke about the attire I wore as a junior doctor. In my white coat, I said I kept a little book with me uh, that my colleagues also kept with them to refer for quick medical queries. What was the little book's nickname? Can you remember? Yeah. Was it A, the black book... Was it B, the score sheet? Yeah. Or was it C, the cheese and onion? Okay, I've written this down already. Lovely stuff. Very good. Your second question takes you back to episode one. And in episode one, we talked about hangover cures and how when we have a hangover, we are often hypoglycemic. Mm. What does this signify that you are low in? Is it A, salt, B, sugar... Or C, fat. Okay. What does hypoglycemia signify that you're low in? Okay. And then we're going back across to episode three. You're going to hear some unusual sounds throughout this podcast, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, just to warn you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what's the third question, please? So we're going back to episode three this time. And we talked about eye floaters. And I told you the process you would have to go through to get them removed. What is the name of the fluid in the eye between the retina and the iris that would have to be drained? Was it A. Musque volitantis, B. The vitreous, or C. The retinal jelly? (sighs) Tough ones. Okay, so they are the first three questions of nine. that we're going to be going through today as we take our end-of-term exam on the doctor next door. And the answer to the first three questions are coming up after this, brought to you by the producers of The Doctor Next Door. (laughs) 
Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to The Doctor Next Door. Before the break, Dr. Neil Srinivasan asked me three questions to continue my medical training. And as it's episode 10 of the podcast, I'm getting my end of term review. So, Neil, we're all waiting. Put us out of our misery. Remind us all of question one. Yeah. So the first set of your end of term quiz questions were a best of three. And the first question was about what we discussed in episode seven, which I'm sure you remember. It was about my white coat. And I said I kept a little book in there, which me and my colleagues and I would sometimes refer to for quick medical queries. What was the little book's nickname? Was it A, the black book, B, the score sheet, or C, the cheese and onion? It was the cheese and onion because it had a similar packet to the old walkers. It was green and blue or something Absolutely. like that. Very good. Thank you. Yellow and green. Perfect. Where are you going? Okay, got it. Good stuff. So that's one down. Very good. Then the second question was about episode one, and we talked in episode one about hangover cures and uh, how often when you have a hangover, you are hypoglycemic. But what does hypoglycemia signify that you are low in? Is it A, salt, B, sugar, or C, fat? Oh, episode one was so long ago. And I've been hung over since then, as you know, Neil. <laughs> oh, I'm going to... I know I should know this. I don't want to get excuses in early, but I did do a breakfast show this morning and, you know, can I get that in? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go for B. Wow, really good. Sugar. Yeah. That's absolutely correct, David. Well done. Two out of two. I should Flying. know that. Because we, we talked about certain things that you would eat that could help possibly cure your hangover. But the conclusion we came to is just drink responsibly. Exactly. Yeah. And all jokes aside, that's the way to go if you can. <laughs> yeah. So our last question was about episode three, and we talked about eye floaters. Mm. And I told you the process you'd have to go to get them removed. But what was the name of the fluid in the eye that is between the retina and the iris that would have to be drained? Was it A, musque volitantes? Was it B, the vitreous? Or was it C, the retinal jelly? Um, 
very unhelpfully to myself on my notes, I've put B slash C. <laughs> so I'm going to go Good for... technique. I'm going to go for... Because retinal jelly sounds right, doesn't it? But I'm going to go for B. Wow. 100% so yeah. far in the best of threes. Woo, yeah. Amazing. Take that. <laughs> three out of three, David. That's Thank an you. A star for the first oh. part of your end of term quiz. Well done. I know that that was a premature celebration as there are two more medical school quizzes to come. So uh, what have you got for us now then, Doctor? So back with the past medical quiz questions, I mean, it's reminding me of my favourite song by Barbara Streisand, The Way We Were. (laughs) I hope you play it on the radio show sometime soon for me, David. (laughs) So quiz two is all about past quiz questions, and this time there are no multiple choice questions. Oh, no. Are you ready, David? (laughs) No, 100% not. Okay, multiple choice has become my friend. Exactly. I didn't realise that until we started doing this podcast together, but I'm a big fan of multiple choice. Um, Okay, so there's no tossing of the coin anymore for us no it's open-ended question so the first question in episode three i told you the year of the first ever successful human heart transplant that was carried out by christian barnard in south africa what was the decade and for a bonus point tell us the exact year okay i am going to go for the 1960s is that right? That's absolutely right. Okay. Amazing. And for a bonus point, I'm going to go for 1963. Ooh, no, 1967. But really well done. Oh, That's a point. Yes. Really okay. good. Hope you got that one where you are, ladies and gentlemen. Second question. Mm. Taking us back to episode six, you correctly guessed that xanthophobia was a fear of what? Oh, oh, um, oh, God. <laughs> was it? Uh, anything yellow. Oh, wow. You really were listening. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. It was a fear of the colour yellow. That's right, because uh, we had a chat about bananas, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, good linking. Thank That's you. another way of remembering things in medical school, actually. You have to link things across okay. to memories. That's good to know. Very good. And your third question, wow. taking us all the way back to episode one, I told you the definition of the word sphenopalatine ganglioneuralgia. What does this condition refer to? Oh, it's um, oh, it was good. This this was the moment in episode one where I thought this is going to be a great podcast to do, uh, because it was um, oh, give me, give me two minutes, give me two minutes. <laughs> and yeah, he remembers it so well. <laughs> uh, no, I do, no, I do remember it because it was um. Uh, ice cream headaches. Absolutely. <laughs> Brain freeze. Three out of three. Brain freeze. Yes. That's an A star. Oh, Amazing. Wow. Well done. So, so far, you've got six out of six, David. You're flying through medical school. You're the star pupil. Okay, I hope that you're enjoying this and doing well wherever you are. We have one final set of questions to come. And, Neil, tell me about my final test. What have you prepared? So, your final test. These questions are all about the burning questions that you've had for me in the podcast, like sleep, smoking and sex. Okay. So, your first question is... In episode six, you asked me if sex is good for our hearts. But can you tell me the name of the love chemical that not only acts as a neurotransmitter and is key for reproduction, but also acts to intensify orgasms? No, I can't. Um, uh, uh, Orgasmo sexius merilius. 
Not quite, David. Begins with an O. It's called oxytocin. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, I was never going to get that. Okay. Oxytocin. Okay. Yep. Remember it for next time. Okay. okay. I think your mind's already in the pub because you think you passed. <laughs> <laughs> Very, I'm mostly starting my to medical school. Onion. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, second question: In episode five, you asked me if we can reverse the effects of smoking. Can you tell me how many years you could add to your life if you quit smoking by the age of thirty? Ten. Wow. It was well, ten years, right? Yeah. yeah. No. I, Spot on. I, that, I couldn't remember that one. No, that well, that episode really <laughs> stuck with me. I think that there was some really good advice. Uh, if you're just joining us in this episode of Doctor Next Door, there are many others for you to go and subscribe to and enjoy. And uh, the reversing the effects of smoking was a very five, important yeah. episode. Absolutely. So we're going back to episode seven for our third and final question. In episode seven, you asked me what it was like to be a doctor in medieval Britain. And I told you that doctors back then thought the body was made out of four distinct humours.、Mm. Can you tell me the names of at least two of them?、Uh, well, I don't. I can't remember if it was I, okay. I'm going to go with water and air. It was like was it kind of four elements? Yeah, there were four elements. It was earth and wind? They, but they were the elements. <laughs> but there were also distinct humours. They belonged to the body. No, I'm sorry. No? Okay. This maybe when you were explaining this, I was、I'm, like, yeah. yeah. And also, I think once I tell you them, you'll remember them.、Go、so、on. they were phlegm, blood, because remember, bloodletting was、oh, a big thing.、Yeah. Yellow bile and、yeah. black bile. Yeah, I've gone with earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> It's the radio <laughs> DJ in me again. Exactly.、Yeah. Okay, so I got one out of three. Yeah. In the final, in the final round. Patch. Yeah. I got three out of three in round one,、mm-hmm. and three out of three again in round two. Amazing. So that's seven. So with seven correct answers out of a possible nine, how have I done, Doctor? So Dave, I think you've done amazingly well in your first term of medical school, and this is a great end of term review. Seventy-eight percent, basically seventy-seven point seven. So that's、wow. really good. That's a B plus. In medical school, it seems like a, a harsh. It's, it's a, a high harsh, B plus, high、right? B plus, right? Absolutely, <laughs> very high. I think you need to get at least, you know, to get an A, you need to be over eighty percent. Really? Yeah,、okay. and over ninety for a a, a a plus A star. Okay, okay, exactly. But I've got this certificate to award you.、Oh. Congratulations on your first term, seventy-eight percent, and well done. Thanks, Neil.、You、this is lovely. Doctor next door certificate of award. Dave's medical training. Fantastic. This is going to go pride of place in my new medical office. <laughs> <laughs> The Doctor Next Door isn't just about Doctor Neil and myself. We'd love it if you would get in touch and share not only your questions and stories, but to also give a shout out to anyone you know from the world of medicine that you think deserves some special recognition. Email us doctor at nextdoorpod dot com, or you can find us on the socials doc nextdoorpod. So, let's have some correspondence, shall we, Neil? This email comes from Fiona. Hello, Fiona, and thank you very much indeed for getting in touch. And she says, "Hi, Dave and Doctor Neil. After experiencing palpitation since I was seventeen, I'm thirty-one now. I was recently diagnosed with SVT, which was only made possible after capturing an ECG on my Apple Watch of a palpitation. Although I take propanolol, Neil. Yeah, propanolol. 
daily to try and avoid getting palpitations. I'm still experiencing them on a regular basis and they're almost always brought on by exercise. In Fiona's case, this is running and weightlifting. It was a huge relief to get the diagnosis. However, my health anxiety is still bad as I worry daily that one day I'm going to get a cardiac arrest. The doctors I have spoken to have told me it's nothing to worry about, but frequently experiencing a heart rate of 220 BPM is making me hugely anxious. Is this something I need to worry about in the long term? And am I risking my health by exercising? Well, first of all, once again, Fiona, thank you very much indeed for getting in touch. And Dr. Neil, what are your thoughts on this? So I, I echo you, David. I think thank you, Fiona, for getting in touch and sharing your experience, which I think is also going to help a lot of others who are experiencing the same thing as you. SVT is abbreviated for what's called supraventricular tachycardia. And it's very common, particularly in young people. And you describe very nicely the example of people who are, you know, in their teens and get bits of palpitations, but it's never really captured. And then when they get older, you finally find an ECG or you have a symptom long enough that it is captured and we make a diagnosis. So that's the first bit in terms of understanding what it is. The first thing to say about SVT is that in almost the majority of patients in the context of having a normal heart, it's not life-threatening, it's not dangerous, it's not going to give you a heart attack, but it does give you symptoms. And it's not very nice to abnormally suddenly be having a very fast heart rate. It can feel like your heart's jumping out of your chest, can make you feel breathless, can make you feel dizzy, and you have this sort of pulsatile feeling sometimes in your neck. Your doctors have rightly given you some medications to calm the heart rate and reduce the likelihood of this happening but it sounds from Fiona's story like this is still continuing to happen it's interfering in her quality of life and this is all about quality of life and she's a young woman who should be able to go and do exercise and live life normally and so there are three options in terms of managing this type of heart condition we can do nothing in some patients because they hardly get the symptoms it never happen or they don't really trouble them very much and they don't last very long Fiona's in the middle group where she's been trying medications because clearly the symptoms are burdensome enough. And there are also a host of other medications you can sometimes try. So it might not just be propanolol, there may be other medications she could consider by her doctor. The third option is to go down the route of having a, a small keyhole procedure called a catheter ablation. And depending on the type of SVT that Fiona has, that can potentially be a very low-risk procedure, but often curative, so she does not have to take medications again and will not get the palpitations again. So it depends predominantly on her symptoms, and if she feels that her symptoms are particularly burdensome, it may be worth her going back to her doctor and speaking with them and looking at her options to make her life better and make her quality of life better so that she can do all the things she wants to without being interrupted by having uh, you know, an abnormal heartbeat that's causing her symptoms. Thank you, Neil. And thank you once again, Fiona. I think we've uh, laid out some options that you could explore and hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll see those improvements. You'll feel less anxious. And I definitely think for what it's worth coming from me, you should definitely go back, talk to your specialist or your doctor and, and see which one of those best suits you going forward. And thank you once again for your email. You can get in touch with us anytime you like. It is doctor at nextdoorpod.com. And one of the things we're asking you to send us are your heroes of healthcare. We want to give a little off of the cap to that medical professional who has gone above and beyond and maybe helped improve your standard of living. And we had this from Elka and she says, Dear Dave and Dr. Neil, 
Seven years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and leukaemia. The breast cancer was thankfully caught early, but last August, my leukaemia turned into something called hemolytic anemia, where my red blood cells were being destroyed by my own immune system. I became very ill and was admitted to the Bud Flanagan Ward at the Royal Marsden in Sutton. I spent 10 days there on the West Ward. The treatment and care I received was so wonderful that I didn't want to go home. Everybody from the doctors and nurses to the porters and catering staff were incredible and they all had the most kind and caring attitude. The treatment finally worked and I am still well enough to be at home again. The treatment and care I received seven years ago and again this year were, in my opinion, the NHS at its very best. And that's from Elka, who's 78 years old in Surrey. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Elka. Fantastic story. And this is what we want from those heroes of healthcare, those people who have come into your life at the most difficult time, but have somehow turned it round, impressed you, and in Elka's case, which is really sweet, uh, made you not want to go home from your (laughs) hospital ward. As I say, you can contact us about your heroes of healthcare or anything else. Our email address is always open to you. It's doctor at nextdoorpod.com. And that's it for this episode of The Doctor Next Door. As ever, I want to thank my regular co-host, next door neighbour, and now awful quiz master, <laughs> Dr Neil Srinivasan. Next time, Dr Neil and I will be again exploring the curiosities I have for the medical world. I'll be asking more burning questions and we'll be answering even more of your correspondence. Please rate, review and subscribe from wherever you usually get your podcasts. And if you do know a doctor, nurse or medical professional who you think might enjoy what you've just heard, please do let them know now I am far too busy hanging my certificate of award for Dave's medical training on my living room wall for you guys to be hanging around it's a B plus now get out of my house <laughs>